Greetings in the name of our mighty Lord. Come on, let's just give God some praise today for being the Emmanuel that is with us, that knows us, whose grace and goodness chases us down. We give God praise to be the ones who know what it is to be in this relationship with God. And what a holy and a wonderful occasion that we get to celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I pray that the the spirit of Christmas has not been taken from you from by all of these difficulties. I pray that there has been a defiance in your spirit, perhaps even in your home, that has said, no, the enemy cannot take this joy from me because the world didn't give me this joy and the world can't take it away. So no matter what, I am going to know this Christmas that I am loved, that I am loved by the God. God of the universe. I pray that the joy of this season um, has its seeds planted in your spirit. You certainly, all of you here and all of you worshiping with us online have brought joy to us this season. We are so glad that in spite of, somebody say in spite of, in spite of, we know a God who can get give us a smile on our faces and put joy in our hearts and our homes in spite of all that we have gone through and continue to, to battle through. And I am so grateful. This gathering, I trust, it already has for me, and I trust that it will give much joy, much sustenance, and much strength to so many during these times. We are so glad to be able to celebrate the one who is Emmanuel, the one who is God with us in the good times and the bad. We are so glad to know his name and to celebrate him today. So we welcome you to Greenwood, and we welcome all who are here with us from Trinity Grace as well. Could, we, truly, we are overjoyed to be able to um, have this service tonight. It has been a labor of love to make sure that in spite of, we can worship our Savior the way that he deserves. So thank you all for your presence. I do ask, if you could, that you abide by the guidelines that are set out by our welcome team. Certainly, um, our priority is to keep everybody, each other, safe during this time of uncertainty, knowing that God will see us through to the other side, and that it is with the strength of God that we will make it to the end of this course that is set before us. Now it is our task to worship the one who was born so long ago in a manger, not in a palace, not in a castle, but was given to us in a manger that we might relate to him, that we might be known by him, that he might transform us in, in, in personal and in, in profound ways that his love might chase us down our whole lives long. Does anybody know him this evening? Today, what a privilege it is that we get to celebrate him and him entering into our world, into our lives, because we all know that after that day, we were never the same. Come on and pray with me. Our mighty and, and everlasting God, we are so glad. Yes, God, that we know your name and we are, are part of the number that can call on that name. But God, we, we are grateful tonight that you know our names. We can just sit, sit and think each of us privately as of the ways that you have known our names and spoken to us throughout this difficult season. We give you praise, God, for being, yes, the God of the universe, the God of all that is, the God that created everything we see, but the God who is so personal and attentive to us. We just take a second, God, right now in the, in the quietness of our own spirits, each of us, God, to give you a praise for all the ways you have kept us, shown up to us, been God with us. When, when this, the journey got difficult, God, you have been there. And if so many of us can say that if it had not been for you on our sides. So God, in this evening when we celebrate you entering into our world, you, you splitting history in two by your presence, your enfleshment with us, when we celebrate, God, that you didn't leave us to our own devices, as we celebrate that tonight, we celebrate that you are God with each of us, that we have the privilege to know a little bit about Emmanuel, who shows up in the midnight hour, 
who, who, who pierces through the things that, that feel too heavy and too big for us, but who comes in and carries them. God, we are privileged to know just a little bit about that name, the name of Jesus that has transformed so much in us. We are grateful to know it. And so God, tonight we give you praise for all the ways that you interrupt our world and our lives to be God to us. Without you, God, where would we be? So grateful. We rejoice. We rejoice this evening over Emmanuel, God with us. We love you. We praise you. And it's in the mighty name of Jesus that together we say amen. Amen. Come on, let's give God some praise this evening as we celebrate our Lord and our Savior, who is Emmanuel, God with us. reading from the prophet Isaiah. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. Those who live in a land where death casts a shadow, the dawn will break on them. You will multiply the nation. You will increase their joy. They will rejoice in your presence as with the joy of the harvest, as people rejoice when they divide the spoils. For you will break the yoke of their burden and the staff on their shoulders the rod of their oppressor, as at the battle of Midian. For every boot of the marching warrior in the roar of battle and cloak rolled in blood will be for burning, fuel for the fire. For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. Eternal Father, Prince of Peace, there will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace on the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of armies will do this. slight bone to pick with your pastor Trinity Grace because 
we split these passages up based on the lectionary, and this is a, the passage chosen by the church uh, throughout the years that we w- might make sure that we uh, reflect on it during this season. But there were multiple passages, and he picked the hardest one to give to me. But because it is the hardest, it is such a beautiful passage. Thank you so much to Ross and to Liz for leading us in it this evening. Please attend with me, will, if you will, to the powerful word of our God, read from Isaiah, the ninth chapter, as we heard, the people who walked in the gloom and the dark of night will see a great light. These words that we heard previously, that I'm sure that you know, these words of our Christmas prophecy, these words from Isaiah, they both comfort and they confound us. They comfort us with this Christmas prophecy because, because the world that he describes is one that we would like to see. Is it not? Our spirits long for this world that he says could be, this world of justice and of peace where what is lopsided is put right, where, where evil is the stuff of fairy tales or, or ancient history maybe, but, but not the stuff of our daily news. It comforts us because he describes what we long for as well. There's a Christmas song, maybe you know it, called My Grown-Up Christmas List. It's been covered by lots of people, and the lyrics go something like this. Do you remember me? I sat upon your knee. I wrote to you with childhood fantasies. I'm all grown up now, but I still need some help somehow. I'm not a child, but my heart can still dream, so here is my grown-up Christmas list. Not for myself, but for a world in need. No more lives torn apart, the war, that wars would never start, that right would always win. This is my grown-up Christmas list. We are comforted by the vision that we heard from Isaiah that he paints for us because we long for that world too. Yet while Isaiah comforts us, he also confounds us. He perplexes us for what he so confidently proclaims will be and shall be. It is so far from what we see. We long for a day when oppression has ceased, when when the boots that were used to make war are now used to make warmth. We long for the day when wrong is righted. But when we look around, we see instead that unfairness looms large, that that we see, for example, today that corporations don't even want to share uh, vaccine recipes with other parts of the world and because their bottom line matters more to them than lives that may be lost. We see that even after ye- uh, a year and a half of, of uh, the, the largest mass movement our nation has yet seen, our country has still not yet quite taken on the serious treatment that is necessary to eradicate the, the cancer of racism that has plagued it for so, so long. It can't even, uh, for some places and parts of the country, struggling to pass voter, voting rights legislation, much less, can't even do that, much less create the land that our Bible speaks of, of justice, where, where righteousness is a given. It seems, as Amanda Gorman told us almost a year ago, sometimes what just is isn't just is. We are confounded by what our prophet tells us because, here it is, people of God, because it is audacious. While those who speak from merely human inspiration often talk of slight changes and, and, and modifications, tinkering with the ills of the world so that we might uh, mitigate their, their, their harm, this prophet, envision, he envisions a, a, a radical remaking. It's audacious. He says that death will no longer cast its shadow, that, that wrong will no longer sit enthroned, and that it never will again. Perhaps when you read these familiar words, 
maybe you find yourself wanting to believe them. Wanting, perhaps when you, when you, you want to trust that, that these words that Isaiah says, that, 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 that those who have walked in the land where death casts its shadow will no longer, a dawn will break and, 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 and righteousness and justice will sit in throne. Perhaps you, you want to trust that it is accurate. But perhaps there's some doubt in you, some tension, because what this prophet describes is so different from what you see with your eyes. He is audacious because he is speaking about the great ability, not of people, but of God, to make new. He's being audacious because he's not speaking of human ability. Perhaps anytime you speak of God, you're, you're by necessity being audacious. He's, he's audacious because he's speaking about what God can do, the transformation that is possible in God's hands. To, to, for that which has been truly broken, it is an audacious claim, in God's hands to be truly transformed. But this ability of God, it, it, it does have evidence to back it up. Maybe you've seen in your own life broken places that were assumed to be sealed and set that way, but were somehow transformed. Here in the Christmas prophecy, when Isaiah tells us that what the birth of the Holy One will mean, our prophet is audacious. He says that Jesus did not just come to to shepherd the world in the field where it was, but to lead it to a completely different pasture. Our nation, I find interesting, our nation loves Christmas. Woo, loves it. Lights everywhere. People, you know, businesses that have nothing to do with Christmas, selling you everything. It loves Christmas. But it doesn't love the audacity that it brings. The audacity uh, 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 that, that, that Christmas announces and implies. Our nation is not fond of, the, of this audacity, especially the audacity of envisioning something new because, because audacious, audacious imagination involves bold truth-telling. It, it involves critique. and It, it involves, it involves uh, speaking the truth about what is and what was. It, it, our nation loves Jesus when he was blessing the little children, but not when he was turning over the tables. I am grateful that it doesn't depend, according to the prophet, on whether or not we believe it. Grateful. It appears that God believes it. The proof of God's belief in the possibility of this world, it says in our prophecy, is that God sent a child who will embody and empower these things. The birth of a baby often signifies to us possibility, does it not? When we look at a newborn child, we, we are reminded that, 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 that God must still have hope in this world. There still must be hope for it because the life giver is still sending new life. We, we almost can't help but feel a twinge of hope for what could be when we look into their eyes. We wonder if perhaps they, in their future, can do something to unbreak this world. This child who was to establish a reign of justice, he was born in Judea under Roman occupation. It was a cruel kingdom and everyone thought it would last forever, that nothing would be able to to undo what it had done because it was expansive and massive. Yet God sent this little child who said there is a higher kingdom that is bigger and more powerful than this one. 
Many didn't believe that anything could be done that would outdo Rome because it was so big. And Rome did continue in its, its cruel antics for a while. That's why I like the word, the word in our, our prophecy today, shall. It's aspirational. It, 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 it shall. It, 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 it is not a guarantee. It's, it's not the same as will. It's a, it's a possibility. It, it, it tells us that there ought always be something in us that, that, that is yet looking to the horizon for what is not yet but what shall be. Howard Thurman says that the meaning of Christmas is the movement of life in defiance of death. The assurance that love is sturdier than hate, that right is more confident than wrong, and that good is more permanent than evil. That's what Christmas means. About 300 years after Jesus fulfilled his earthly mission, Rome did fall. No one thought it ever could, but it was not enough to withstand the persistent purposes of our mighty God made flesh in our Lord. Rome fell, but the kingdom established upon the shoulders of the one whom we worship today, it still stands. For if you go to Rome today, what will you see? You will see pretty streets that are basically rubble and, 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 and some, uh, some stones to walk on. But, but, but what will you see in the middle of Rome? You will look and you will see a church that proclaims the power of the one whom we worship today. Because wrong seems often like it will last forever. But right comes from a more eternal place. Our scripture tells us that it is the zeal of the Lord of hosts that will do this. A loose synonym for zeal might be audacity. Apparently, this audaciousness of the prophet, it was God's audacity. We are told that we, that you and that I are made in the image of God. Perhaps there is some of that audacity in you. Amen. The birth of Jesus. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius, Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped, him in she wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Uh, reading from Luke chapter 2, 8 through 20. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. 
He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told to them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Amen. Amen, indeed. I want to say thank you so much to the Greenwood family and to Pastor Willa. It is, um, it is truly an honor to share this night with you all. And um, I just want to pick right up where her Pastor Willa's themes uh, have led us uh, as she commented on the first passage. Near the time of Jesus' birth, the most famous poet in the world wrote these words. The turning of the ages is near at hand. The Iron Age with its terrors is nearing its end. The destined hour for world history is approaching. The divine king of salvation for whom mankind has waited since the time of the pharaohs is on his way. He will annihilate the evil of the past and free the peoples from unceasing fear. He will establish a universal empire of peace and lead in the golden age for the blessing of a renewed humanity. These words were written by Virgil, the court poet of Caesar Augustus. The man Octavian had won the power of Rome and he changed his name from Octavian to Augustus, which means one who is worthy to be praised thought rather highly of himself. Luke tells us, in those days, Caesar Augustus. That was reality. The world had been conquered, and it was being counted so that it could be taxed to support the empire. See, the world already had its savior, even if he was self-proclaimed. Even if he had won his place through violence, it already had its prince of peace, the Pax Romana, even if it was just the peace of Rome. To say there was no room for Jesus was true, not just that there were no guest rooms available. There was no place in the story. It was the days of Caesar Augustus. But then, to a teen mom in a scandal to third shift shepherds waiting out the night in a small, rural, often despised corner of the empire in a place of forgotten promises, God began a new part of the story anyway. And the court poets of heaven, the angels, began their own announcement. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Do not be afraid. They begin the most repeated phrase of the Scriptures. 
that perfect love casts out fear. Do you need to hear that this Christmas Eve? Do not be afraid. There's good news. Even in the midst of all that you see, even in the days of Caesar Augustus, even in the days of new variants of COVID, even in the days of Biden and Trump, even in the days of a divided nation, of racial injustice, of economic uncertainty, of so many rival stories warring for our attention, there is good news. The court poets of heaven give us this unexpected announcement, a Savior, the Messiah, the Lord has come. Just take those in turn. Savior, one to offer forgiveness, to make us right with God, one who rescues us, but also rescues the world. Messiah, the one who has been promised, who pulls together all of the threads of God's promises through the prophets, who is going to bring, announce, and demonstrate and invite us into God's kingdom. The Lord, the one who comes as a baby, but will one day come as king of kings to bring the world into God's future and to make things right forever. Savior, Messiah, Lord. A grand announcement. What will be the sign? You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. The way of the kingdom of God is upside down. The king comes as a baby, not as a conquering warlord. The first to know are peasants, not heads of state. The song of heaven is sung to the night shift first. The Savior of the world could not hold up his own head. He was swaddled in cloths. And over the manger was the shadow of a cross. And yet, the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom. The weakness of God is stronger than human strength. As Pastor Willa reminded us, Augustus, has gone forever. Virgil's song has fallen flat. The baby, on the other hand, has picked up the chorus, is Savior, is Messiah, is Lord. His upside-down kingdom continues to grow. And Mary tells us no word from God will ever fail. Church, let's Let that wash over our hearts on Christmas Eve. No word from God will ever fail. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. To our weakness is stranger. So tonight, amidst all the other stories, amidst all the rival powers, against all the things we could be afraid of, in the middle of all the noise, we hear again the announcement, do not be afraid. I just want to invite you to hear this as a prayer as, as I close. Do not be afraid. Is there anything that you need to offer God that you're feeling fear about right now? There's a lot to be afraid of out there, folks. Our world is in tumult. <laughs> Let's put our fears in the hands of Jesus. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. How many of you want to whisper a prayer for great joy right now? Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. This Jesus is better at rescuing than we are at running. Better at saving than we are at sinning. 
so we can come home this Christmas. He is Messiah the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths lying in a manger. So church, let us make room. <laughs> let us treasure Jesus in our hearts. Let us live this way of his up upside down kingdom because as Mary said, no word from God will ever fail. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, in the name of this Jesus and by the power of your Holy Spirit, would you help us as your sons and daughters not to be afraid to receive you as our Savior, to receive you as the Messiah of Israel and Messiah of the world, to, to receive you as Lord, as King of kings. Come and minister to your people. Come and embrace us with your peace. Peace that transcends human understanding. You are Emmanuel, God with us. May we experience your nearness this Christmas Eve and all through this season. May we be courageous to carry your love, to carry our faith, to walk in step with you. We bless your name. We worship you. It is a joy to join our hearts together and our voices together to lift you up. Savior, Messiah, Lord, Jesus. Amen. Church, as you came in, you received uh, these candles. And I want to invite you to light them now. These candles are a symbol to us of the light of the world, the true light that has come to us. Emmanuel, God with us. And as we sing our last song this evening, let's reflect on this light of the world that has come to us and that we also have the joy and responsibility to carry with us as we go from this place. Let's sing Silent Night and then I'll come back and give us our benediction as we go out this evening. Christ the Savior is born. Merry Christmas to all of you. It is a joy to be with you this evening. As I prepare to give us the benediction, the last word for this evening, we're going to carry our light out into Brooklyn, carry it into our streets, into our homes. The true light that gives light to everyone has come into the world, and the darkness has not overcome it. The light of Christ is the light of our lives. Emmanuel, God with us, let us carry this light by grace and the power of the Holy Spirit into our city, into our homes. Go in peace and Merry Christmas. Amen.